Hey there, my name's Luis. And I'm Chris. And this is the Deuterino Podcast, where two guys from Arizona chat shit about current events in the world around us. Alright, so for this week's uh, Flavor of Florida Man of the Week, we have Brian Brainerd Wedgworth, who has been accused of swindling money from at least 21 women while pretending to be a surgeon on dating sites. The Casanova scammer, as he is referred to by some media outlets, would pretend to pass off. Oh, sorry, would pretend to pay off the victim's debts using previously closed bank accounts and would then proceed to take cash advances and even go as far as adding himself as an authorized user on some women's accounts. Wedgwood, Wedgeworth would also guilt trip some of his victims by claiming that after paying off their debts, that he was risking losing his own practice. The victims would in turn send him cash and checks as well as buying him watches and jewelry and other nice things. Um, when one of the women confronted him about it, being a felon and using a fake name, he actually made up a story about how he was an undercover agent that had to be convicted to make his cover more believable. <laughs> Yeah, this this guy is uh, pretty uh, inventive. He's the uh, Nigerian prince of Florida, I guess you could call him. He and he was an equal opportunist too. Uh, people in Florida, Texas, California, Louisiana, Alabama, Tennessee, Maryland. Man, there are some thirsty ladies out there. Uh, just kidding to the ladies out there, but woo wee. It's yeah, it's well, always you know. You focus all your efforts on only one place, and somebody's gonna find out eventually, you know. Yeah, it's it's always crazy that uh, how people are so lonely, and it's horrible that someone can take advantage of lonely people out there, but like this, and just say that you're a doctor and they give you access to your account. And when I worked in claims, it is actually pretty easy to make someone an authorized user on well, credit cards in my experience, but I'm sure it's not. As difficult on other accounts as well, but man, those poor ladies. Well, at least he got caught. And hopefully, this isn't a you know next Nigerian prince thing where this is popping up all over the place. Yeah, hopefully, people hear about it and make better choices whenever yeah. somebody confronts them or asks them for some of that information. Because the scary part is that you can actually steal a lot of information just by having credit card numbers. Um. Oh. There's been people who've had their social media and other email accounts and stuff stolen just because somebody had access to the last four of somebody's credit card number. Yeah, it, it, it is crazy how easy it is to get all that info, especially now it's most of it, even if you shopped at Target five years ago, it's probably in some Chinese black, uh, black net internet database somewhere anyways for someone to buy up it and sell again somewhere it's nuts but man, mm -hmm. Rolex and watches. no company actually cares about security as much as you think they do Apple Amazon all of them they aren't as secure as most people might think they might they are so really easy to get your information from them if they have even the slightest little bit of data on you cash is king that's all that matters or crypto, right? <laughs> or crypto, yeah. Crypto, man. Although I did read an article earlier about some dude who 
Actually, no, the pipe, the colonial pipeline people had lost a lot of money. The FBI was able to recover it by being able to hack into one of their wallets. So even crypto is oh, not safe. Yeah, and then recently uh, there was another thing where the government was able to get some uh, uh, money back from one of those schemes, those uh, Criplock schemes. It's like $4 million they were able to get back. So... Catch is king, guys. Just kidding. So, Chris, last Thursday, the AP officially called the race in New Jersey. What does that and everything else in this election cycle, what does it mean going forward for the midterms coming up next year? Well, the, the case that or the race that actually ended was the one between Edward Durr and Steve Sweeney. Steve Sweeney in the New Jersey Senate uh, was the leader of the Senate in New Jersey and he actually lost to a truck driver who had a $200 budget that was it and he won he beat the sitting Senate leader in New Jersey which I find pretty good bang for your buck 200 bucks to get a job I don't know pays probably $40,000 a year that's not too bad for being a former trucker yeah, um, I mean, it's not like politicians do anything anyway, so $40,000 to sit on your butt. Exactly, especially in New Jersey. What, what are they going to do? Uh, make another bridge to nowhere? <laughs> but <laughs> overall in Virginia and in New Jersey, the Republicans really out-punched the Democrats. They they mollywopped them into the, the ground. And if you're a Democrat, it, it sends shivers down your spine, especially in Virginia when you had complete Democratic control. Virginia was looking like a Democratic state to be held in perpetuity because of the outskirts of D.C. just having so much of those government Democrats going on there. So it was really surprising to see how well Republicans, they won the governor's race, the lieutenant governor's race, and the attorney general race, the, the, the big three there in Virginia. And no, uh, I, three months ago, no one was expecting that. And uh, you got to give credit to uh, Glenn Youngkin. Sorry, I forgot his name. But <laughs> Glenn Youngkin, who perfectly ran pro-parent, pro-education, without being too close to Trump, without being too far away from Trump, because everyone knows about the rampant Trump voters out there. So he kind of had like the, the policy structure of a George Bush first term when he came in and no child left behind and was able to not alienate the hardcore Trump uh, people that are new to voting. And it, it was it was quite uh, a surprise as the results in Virginia actually show uh, the turnout was higher than the last uh, gov- gubernatorial race in 2017 which these races usually have really low turnout and you typically when you have higher turnout that means Democrats usually do better but not not in this case it was those the Trump voters that came back and voted it seems um, do you think maybe the Democratic Party pushing and pushing that Youngkin was part of the 
you know, was just a Trumpist, you think that helped motivate those voters to come back possibly? Maybe that's what they need to work on is not yeah. pushing that agenda so much against their opponents. Yeah, definitely. Especially when uh, the Democrats spent so much money on flyers that said Trump supports Yunkin and and had all these other things or endorses Yunkin. And it looks like a, a Trump ad with Yunkin was actually paid for the Democrats. Like, So you sent this to every single person and let the Trump voters know that they supported Yunkin. It, it, it made no sense. They, they just did not know how to run without Trump being on the ballot. Like, yeah, Trump, a lot of people are turned off, including myself, turned off by Trump's rhetoric and how he is in general. But Yunkin was running for something. He's running for education, and the Democrats were just running against Trump, who was not even on the ballot. And then, uh, and, and this had down ballot uh, issues for the Democrats as well, because it, it looks like they may still lose the House in Virginia, which is huge. Uh, and then it looks like the Democrats will maintain the Senate, but it'll, it's really close. And it, Biden won Virginia by 10 points, and Youngkin won it by one and a half. So that's like 11-point difference right there. And if that turns into the midterms, it's going to be a red wave. It's going to be a bloodbath for Democrats. And with that bloodbath, you also have gerrymandering, which is happening this year after the census, which is taken every 10 years. Every district in the country is re reseeded by each, each state. Either they have their legislation and gover governor decide what the districts will look like or they have a independent uh, committee that decides what will happen to the districts and republicans as everyone has been told many times control redistricting in most states out there and yeah it's it's going to be a bloodbath uh everyone needs to remember that all politics is local Everything can affect you. If you if you want more Democratic leaning seats, you need to vote at every election. If you want more Republican, you gotta continue voting at every election. Like for example, there, there's two big examples here that that I just saw was that uh, Texas went from having 13 leaning Democratic seats and 24 Republican leaning seats. And then there's just one highly, or there were uh, six highly competitive seats. Well, the new map, there's only one competi highly competitive seats, and the Republicans have 26 leaning seats and 13 leaning Democratic seats. So it, it really narrows down, and they, instead of making them all Democrats might be able to win this seat. It's Democrats definitely will not ever win this seat, at least for the next 10 years. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, Leanne came in. <laughs> so what that means is that Republicans only need a national average of uh, generic ballot of minus four percentage points and they poll people and they ask them, would you rather vote for a Republican or a Democrat? They do that nationwide. And a rule of thumb is 
realistically, it should be like zero. If it's 50-50, half the seats should be Republican, half the seats Democrat. But with gerrymandering and redistricting, uh, it's been these past 10 years around plus two for Republicans. So even if Republicans are or Democrats have a positive 2% on that generic question, it would be a 50-50. So even if the Democrats were more favored, they'd still not win the House. Right now, with Democrats ignoring uh, local seats and being able to gerrymander to their own heart's content, like they do in Illinois, uh, if they're not able to do that in more states, right now it's looking at it might be plus four or plus six even for Republicans they could be losing in the generic ballot by 6% and still win the House. So everyone needs to go out and vote every election they can. If if you're a Democrat, you know, if you're a Republican, you probably don't want Democrats doing it. But, you know, in Republicans, you keep on doing what you're doing. It's usually old people. Old people tend to be Republican. So that's why you have <laughs> old people vote a lot more. Young people vote less. So that's why you get into this situation. But... uh yeah, go on and vote. That's what I was saying. So prediction for 2022 midterms is pretty giant red wave? Uh, red tsunami, more like, is what I would call it. But so even bigger than a red wave. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Which is pretty interesting that there was a pretty big showing of Trump supporters as well, going back to that, even though they've all been claiming yeah. that elections are fraudulent and don't work and... They were pretty respondent to early and mail-in voting during the Virginia election, too, which was another thing they were crying and complaining about. Exactly. And uh, that's why I always don't get, especially, I, I can only attend to here in Arizona, but early voting and absentee voting has been huge here in Arizona. And vast majority of people who absentee vote here in, in this state anyways are the old, old retired people that don't want to go and figure out their polling place every time because it's, it's harder than a hoot and holler around here to figure out your polling place. So for Republicans elsewhere in the country to say that that's like disadvantaging them, it, it really, really is in my experience. Maybe over there it could be, but who knows. But yeah, in the election... It, with the Republicans winning, it probably benefits them. They're like, oh, we, we like these results, so we'll not cry cry like babies and go storm some state house in this, this instance, <laughs> maybe. Who knows? But it, what I see is 2022 will probably be a red tsunami if the Republicans use the Ralph Northam, or, or I mean the Glenn Youngkin uh, term of a, a attack on how how to actually talk to the people and have them vote for something instead of vote against something. Now, in 2024, with the presidential election, if Trump runs again, Democrats will have exactly what they want. They, they want to run against Trump again because right now all they have is they have Joe Biden who is not all there. He's probably, he says he's going to run again. I don't think he will. But then right behind him, you have a very unpopular Kamala Harris, according to recent polls. Not my opinion, just according to recent polls. And Pete Buttigieg, who was absent, no one noticed. So they, they really need to find someone to 
galvanize behind on their side or else they're just going to galvanize against Trump, which we've sh- has been shown works. <laughs> so we'll see. It'll be an exciting 2024 for sure. Yeah, and if things don't start getting better with the supply chain and everything, I mean, even though it's not directly the president's fault or the executive branch's fault or even oh, the Democrats' yeah. fault as a party, that could still be a huge... Uh, um reasoning for them losing out even in 2024 even if trump does run you know yeah they they definitely need to figure that out just for americans sake not not political sake any even it's just ridiculous right now but yeah but if you apply political pressure to politicians that's when it matters to them not when it applies pressure to the people and and honest that's what we're hoping with this virginia race uh there was a pipeline for environmental reasons old pipeline here or not here but in uh in michigan pipeline five they were going to close it due to environmental reasons and you know the reasons you know democrats truly believe they were elected to go for it to close it down but it supplies a huge amount of energy and heating oil to the north uh, to the midwest right it's midwest there yeah i think so yeah and they were going to shut it down, but after the results of this Virginia and New Jersey election where Democrats were just trounced, they are like, eh, maybe we should not let freeze, <laughs> freeze people to death <laughs> during this time. They, they currently have it postponed, but they, they definitely should find a better way to keep people's homes before shutting the, the current solutions down. But, and then the last thing about the elections that will kind of lead us into the next segment is uh, voters rejected ambitious police reform in Minneapolis. I don't know if you got a chance to read up on that, but um, that kind of put in a big dent in the Democrats' hope for social justice reform, and it did not swing their way like they thought it would. Yeah, that was a big one in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. They they had on a ballot is replace the entire police department with the department of safety is probably going to just be police officers just name something different and maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more oversight but the maybe voters like tiny shorts you know to make them <laughs> less threatening yeah. yeah yeah maybe maybe put a little spinny hat on their heads or something mm-hmm. to make them a little less intimidating <laughs> but uh it, yeah it it failed rather dramatically there it's just a resounding showing that yeah protests in the heat of the moment people do want change but when it comes down to it more police equals a safer neighborhood and it's shown in studies that have come out recently that more police in an area there's less police shootings less stress police equal less stress high stress situations for police overall and so hopefully they learn and maybe fund the police a little bit more and maybe add a little bit more oversight now in cleveland they vote they had a similar kind of vote in cleveland uh instead of replacing a police department they added a community police commission which has police oversight discipline policies um that this third party will have over the police department and so we kind of get both both sides here. You see, maybe funding the police have better policing overall, 
And then maybe a little bit of oversight. Does oversight work or does having a better funded police work? And we'll kind of see that with Cleveland and Minnesota here. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's how, it's how this all works. Uh, all the cities, states, and localities, they're the testing spots for the federal government to see what actually works. And we'll just have to wait and see in which works. Yeah, no, I think the big kicker for that Minneapolis bill was the fact that they were trying to remove a requirement to employ a minimum number of police officers in proportion to the city's population. So, you know, basically yeah. just gutting employment, number of police officers pretty much in yeah, a more, giant city. More specifically, yeah, it's written into the charter of Minneapolis on how many police and the, the police department is in the actual city charter. That's why they actually had to vote. Uh overall in the city to whether to keep it or not was because it's in the charter and it's actually by city law that they have to have that many police officers so and it failed so they they really need to either figure out a better a better way or more education on police interactions more education overall um and on the police side and on the civilian side, like not knowing how to be pulled over is huge. Like the first time I was pulled over, I, I did like 20 things wrong and it, it's, it's nuts. You, you just gotta, <laughs> I think that, yeah, that, yeah. that probably should be a thing that they teach in high school. Maybe even. Yeah. I know that the first time I got pulled over, if I had been pulled over under the same circumstances as the last time I got pulled over, things may have not have ended as well considering the first time I got pulled over. I was 17, and the last time I got pulled over was St. Patrick's Day, and I had a gun in the car with me. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, if I had, I mean, obviously having a gun with me at 17 would have been a big no-no, which, again, kind of leads us into our next segment. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely would not have known what to do if I had been pulled over at 17 with a gun in the car. But at 26, you know, it's completely different. Especially yeah. after everything you've seen, everything that's been going on, you kind of know to take it slow and, you know, it, try to listen you don't seem like a threat, you can, you're yeah. not going to be taken as a threat, even yeah. if you have a weapon in your vehicle. Yep. And yeah, it's just, I think there just needs to be better education on both sides to de-escalate those, those types of situations. But we'll, we'll see what, what happens. Maybe, maybe that's part of the whole, whole thing in Minnesota and Cleveland that are going on. Who knows? But yeah, that, that leads us into the Rittenhouse thing, right? Yeah, well, before that, you know, kind of a little closing comment. Uh, Democrats, you have a lot to work on leading to the midterms in 2024. Republicans, you got a good victory here. You have a good little game plan going forward for 22, but 24, if you guys have Trump going again, be prepared for a, an uphill battle. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and Trump's favorables have not changed at all. It's the same. What's sad is they're currently higher than Biden just because Trump has that fan base. But Mm -hmm. Trump really needs to either just be the the anointed saint of republicanism, whatever that is, or he needs to just be quiet and go in the corner because he just needs to, in my opinion, just bugger off. But (laughs) Well... Here's the hoping that it's not two old dudes 
dudes in their 70s running again in 2024, you know? <laughs> yeah, Luis 2024, right? Uh, not old enough yet, but, you know, oh, darn. eventually. <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse and his trial. Um, most recently, jury left day one of deliberation without coming to a consensus. Yeah, and they asked the judge for better, uh, definitions on what the charges were and what defines certain uh, aspects of the accused crimes uh it, this this is a really tricky trial um the defense ha- it, it's all he said he said situations uh, on the defense it's like uh, he had self-defense so it, it's a really tricky trial i think i'm on, on uh both sides here and with video the mass amount of videos especially the fbi video which kind of freaks me out uh i don't know if it freaks you out as much as it does me but the fbi is just out there watching people do crimes without uh federal the feds man they're they're weird but i mean they gotta have people there as witnesses you know i don't think them just kind of blowing cover i mean it's not the nicest place, you know. Maybe they're doing some undercover stuff over there, you know. And I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. That I wouldn't be surprised if I ate lunch next to some sort of agent for something. I mean, look at Pollos <laughs> Hermanos, right? Yeah, that place was a was run by a king, drunk kingpin, and nobody even knew. Everybody was just enjoying fried chicken. Yeah, that that's very true. But. <laughs> Uh, the the Rittenhouse, uh, in in my opinion, the one charge he was definitely guilty of was dropped due to a technicality, and that kind of runs into our previous story about the elections, is that Republicans were able to write the gun laws there in Wisconsin, and by a technicality, Rittenhouse does not have that gun charge, which because his barrel was not uh short enough to be considered a short a firearm or whatever they described it as. But. Yeah, so for those of you don't, that don't know, uh, Judge Bruce Schroeder dismissed count six, which was a misdemeanor charging Rittenhouse with possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. Um, at a minimum, that charge carried uh, nine months in prison and a $10,000 fine maximum. Do you think th- the fact that he was dismissed of this changes the entire course of the case yeah it, it really does because like he if he was there illegally I was like that charge would have brought that in there then the whole thing would have been a lot easier for the prosecution to argue that one he shouldn't be there and just the fact of him being there provoked uh the whole situation to happen but now that that charge is dropped they were able. They weren't able to really argue that, and so it, we'll see what happens with the jury. The jury that they have a. I wouldn't want to be one of them uh, right now. That's for sure. But uh, they uh, definitely have quite the the case on their hands. Written house at eighteen, and like you have, you see the the right trying to 
portract this guy as being a a saint almost, and then you see the left demonizing this guy, and it's just no. Th- this trial is to the jury; they will decide what's going on, and then we just need to accept whatever happens. Just like with Derek Chauvin, previous trials, you just gotta accept what the jury says. That that's the rule of law here, and then we just gotta wait and see. So, do you think we're gonna see? any sort of mass rioting or protesting depending well i guess regardless of what the decision is uh what would the previous cases that have happened that are kind of very polarized like this uh y- you might see some disturbances of course you never know but if he's found guilty I think it'd be a lot more peaceful than if he's found not guilty. That's just based on previous experiences. Um, like the Chauvin case, right? The Chauvin case, we saw he was found guilty, completely quiet afterwards. Um, and then uh, the Rodney King case, you saw those police officers not get charged, and then you saw chaos. So it, it just very, very dependent um if he's com- if he's completely not guilty, maybe they go to, for a lesser charge. It could be a mixed bag. We'll, we'll have to wait and see for sure. Well, I yeah, I think that's probably what's going to end up happening is if he's found not guilty, and there then, might be more riots yeah, in yeah. Kenosha. And you can see that uh, Wisconsin governor, I think, uh, readied 500 uh, National mm-hmm, Guardsmen. The National Guard troops. Yeah, so they're they're prepared just in case. Just like with the election, though, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone was on guard <laughs> prior to the election. Everyone boarded up just in case. I mean, you can never be too safe, I guess. But mm-hmm. Better safe than sorry, that's for sure. Especially after all these... Businesses probably already ran out of uh, insurance coverages, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I definitely did not light my storefront on fire. <laughs> All right, now on a less, a little bit less serious note, we are going to be presenting you our beer of the week or beers of the week. Chris, you have an interesting one for us. Yeah, it's uh, from Santan Brewing Company called Moon Juice, a galactic IPA. An out-of-this-world IPA crafted with tons of gravity and Nelson Suavenhops that transcends all earthy pleasures, emitting an aroma of peach, apricot, tropical fruit. And uh, it's, it's pretty good for an IPA. I like that it's locally brewed. Um, it's a little... Well, on the heavy side for uh, myself on my, you know, regular drinking at 7-1. I usually drink water, but it's not that bad, especially for people that may not like IPAs. It's it's more fruity. It doesn't have that, like, uh, really crisp, hoppy flavor. I don't know how to really describe it, but crispy flavor. Um, well, don't forget Santan Brewery. Uh, no free ads. So. Oh. 
Very true. Yeah, no, no free ads. <laughs> and then the... uh, you tried something weird uh, this week, I heard, or at some time. You say weird. However, the fact that it has a name on the internet lets me know that it is common enough, at least. I had myself a black and blue, which for those of you like me that don't really drink too much alcohol, that is a blue moon poured under Guinness. Um, so technically, I guess two beers, but one drink. I'm not, I'm not usually a beer drinker, but this stuff went down pretty easily. I do prefer Guinness myself. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly couldn't even properly review something other than for those of you that don't really like drinking alcohol or drinking beer, that is specifically, this is a pretty good drink. It goes down easy and goes good with fish and chips. That's for sure. Oh yeah. That probably would be good with fish and chips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went down to a little local place in Tucson, Arizona, Ugh. the armpit of Arizona <laughs> or the butthole. if you're a listener from tucson i'm not sorry (laughs) you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh yeah that uh, nothing beats a a blue moon with the orange peel or orange slice and nothing beats a really good guinness but mixing them together i never thought that would be a, a good thing but i never thought that kalua and orange juice would taste like a tootsie roll uh, I still don't believe that. I'm going to have to call Mythbusters. It's so true. It, it, it's legit. Even Leanne said it's legit. So you're, you're just going to have to you're just gonna have to try it. Maybe <laughs> one day when I've already been, I'm already too drunk to taste anything nah. else. Nah, that's, your, <laughs> that's your homework for next week is to try that. You got to try it over the weekend. All right. Maybe say so. <laughs> And that about wraps us up for this week. So thank you for listening and go ahead and tune in again next week when we discuss the verdict, hopefully, of the Rittenhouse trial, um, Paul Gosar, and to see if there's any updates on the Build Back Better plan by El Presidente Joe Biden. Thanks for listening. See ya.